Hey everyone, I'm Sean O'Loughlin. Welcome back to another Seafood Innovations episode of the Aquademia podcast. In these episodes, we sit down with people who are taking a chance on something new and innovative in the seafood world. This week, we're sharing our interview with Marcos Scheer from Seagrove Kelp Company. We sat down with Marcos at Cena 2019 to talk about kelp farming and why it could potentially be the next big superfood, finally knocking kale down a few pegs. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and remember, if you like this show and want to support us, take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review Aquademia wherever you listen. If you want to be more involved in the community, go to www.aquaculturealliance.org membership to become a member and gain access to our MyGAA social platform, exclusive audio and video content, and a whole bunch of other goodies. All right, kelp is the word of the day. Let's talk about seafood. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. So we're sitting down with Marcos Shear of Seagrove Kelp Company out of Alaska. How's it going, Marcos? It's going great. Thank you very much for uh, taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, thanks, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us. It's awesome to, that we're getting to meet so many people uh, at this seafood show that have just innovative ideas and some new technologies, so it's fantastic. So that's why Marcos is here with us right now. Can you just give us a quick background, your personal history? Where'd you get started? How'd you end up where you are? Sure. Uh, so I actually come from the seafood side. I, I, uh, I moved to uh, southeast Alaska in 1982. My mother is a botanist, and she was doing some reforestation station work on Prince of oh, Wales cool. Island, which is, uh, Prince of Wales Island is an island in southeast Alaska. It's a little larger than the state of Delaware. Uh, it is uh, got about a thousand miles of coastline. Um, it's uh, primarily a forested island. And uh, so I started, I was in eighth grade there, and I, I lived there until uh, when I was 16. I left home, got emancipated, and I had to get a job. And so I went to work for a seafood processing company in Ketchikan in 1980. Uh, now, where is that? Ketchikan it's Alaska. Is, it's about 50 miles west of Prince of Wales. Okay. So it's the it's the largest city near Prince of Wales. Prince okay. of Wales is uh, pretty small. I just know I went I went there once. It was gorgeous. It was. I, uh, it was the and I didn't go that long ago, back 2010. I don't want to get too off topic, but I remember staring out into the waters and watching the fish just jumping out of the water and i was like this still happens this is, <laughs> this is this is amazing it does still happen the fish and the whales and the eagles if you had if you have seen the eagles and i mean they're like crows there there are so yeah, many bald eagles is amazing. that, that uh, are in the area you know you can go out in the morning during when the salmon are running and you can see 50 bald eagles just, oh, man. just yep. swirling around in the it's in, amazing alaska is definitely close to the top of my bucket list for yeah. for travel so you should you should go i'd it's, love to get up there someday we should travel up there and we'll do another interview. There we, we go. We come yeah. see the farm. We'll come <laughs> see, see the farm. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that'd be great. You're welcome to. So so I started there and I spent, uh, so I finished uh, high school and then I was worked there through until uh, I uh, finished college. And uh, then I came back after college and I spent another six years working for them. So that lasted through 90, uh, 97. Then I, uh, I went to law school. 
and I practiced law for the better part of 20 years in the seafood and maritime industry. Okay. And uh, I became involved in this group called the Alaska Fishery Development Foundation in 2007. And through AFDF, we started focusing on, uh, 2013, on mariculture as, as the next area of development because all of the you know, really, the, the fisheries, the wild harvest fisheries in Alaska, were mature. There, you know, the the focus is on full utilization. There isn't a big biomass out there, and so we started looking at this really conceptually about how do we help this industry grow, and how do we how do we move this ball forward, and uh, w- with all of the existing infrastructure and things. And and as I started going through that, we started going through that process. I I started thinking that. Maybe this is something that I ought to look into. It's a, it's really a fledgling industry in Alaska. Uh, there's a few oyster farmers. And there's a few kelp farmers. Yeah, I thought there was some scale. kind of uh, some some laws or legislation against sea farming in Alaska that I. There is a. Uh, it is against the law to farm finfish. To farm finfish. Okay. You can and that's fa- a state law. That's a state law. And that's unlikely to change. Uh, the seafood industry is the largest employer in the state. Yeah. Uh, it's unlikely to change. However, it is permissive to grow uh, any indigenous species that you can find in Alaska. And among them are multiple brown kelp species. There is yep. a... Uh, uh, there is oysters are the one exception to that because uh, number one that the water's too cold they don't reproduce and number two they they grandfathered in when uh, when it became a state so okay. they had been there had been some oyster farming prior to that okay uh, which is why oyster Pacific oyster farming is uh, permissible in Alaska so that was the genesis of the whole idea and I spent the last four or five years putting together a business plan and find, trying to find capital and I because this is a site what we're doing is larger than what we've seen in Alaska but small by scale anywhere else in the world right yeah. so it took me about four or five years to put this all the whole package together and and uh, and to get the get the site lease through the process took me a couple of years, but we we made it through that process last fall, and so we're going to start operating uh, in uh, in 2019. Oh, so this is a uh, brand new. Yeah, brand new. This brand new. So talk to us about Seagrove and kelp. What's the process? How does it work? What are the goals? So Seagrove kelp is uh, farm. So we have a 127 acre farm that's uh, about six miles south of Craig, Alaska, on Prince of Wales Island. It's a shellfish and kelp farm. That's the plan. Okay. Uh, we're going to introduce oysters. Uh, oysters. Oh, yep. Yeah. And uh, we can also do mussels. There's a blue. There's a, a blue lip mussel that uh, is indigenous that uh, some people are trying to propagate, but it's uh, smaller. You know, you can also do you know giant red sea cucumbers and yep. uh, and there's a number of you know, rock scallops and other things that you know uh, would try to get into later. But first, we're going to do kelp, and primarily because um, it's a faster grow-out period. You know, water's a little colder in Alaska, so shellfish take uh, two to three years to rate market size. So we're going to yep. we're going to focus on kelp. The plan is to plant out 100 acres of kelp in the fall. Uh, we're in the process of building a kelp nursery in Ketchikan in conjunction with Oceans Alaska Marine Science Center. So we'll have that operational hopefully by, by June. Yep. We'll spend the summer trying to perfect our processes, and uh, and we can start seeding out in in October of this year. Pretty cool. So what uh, what are what are some of the goals in regards to what the kelp is going to be used for, and who, where you're selling to? And I think just a lot of our listeners are you know this is some of our listeners are new to aquaculture. They don't know a lot about it, and they might not understand, like, what are the benefits to farming kelp? Well, you know, that that is a, a great question, and it's a, and it's a great 
concept to discuss. You know, kelp is such a remarkable plant. It is, uh, you know, it is so rich in nutrients and protein and uh, and minerals and fiber, all of those things. It, what really makes it appealing to me is that it's it's renewable, it's sustainable. I'm growing yep. species. I have to source my seed for the farm kelp within 50 kilometers by water of the farm site. So the the species I'm going to grow are Saccharina latissima, uh, which is sugar kelp, uh, Nereocystis, which is Lutgana, which is bull kelp, okay. and uh, and ribbon kelp, which is Alaria uh, marginata. And those grow in the area, so we can source our seed from local stocks to maintain that genetic diversity. It is uh, locally a it's a counteragent to ocean acidification because it takes carbon dioxide out of the water. Mm, it, produ- it produces yeah, yeah, nitrogen. It has, uh, you know, there's so many additive qualities. Uh, it is, you know, the the carbon footprint is positive actually because of what it does in the water and it I, reverses it. Yeah, and you know, and it uh, and because of the systems that we're trying to trying to to use here, uh, I believe that when when we when we do this, that it will it will be uh, beneficial to the environment. It'll be beneficial economically, and when we introduce shellfish into it, there's a symbiotic relationship between growing kelp and growing shellfish on the same site now how long does it take for kelp to mature so that you can uh, harvest harvest yeah all of these species are annual species this is not like uh, luminaria which is a heavily harvested uh, it's a species harvested in a lot of other places like iceland and 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 that which those plants you know they can take the top off and it will continue to grow it could be 100 years old these are annual plants so we'll seed out and plant and and harvest every year so it will seed out in October and November. Okay. And we'll harvest uh, between the 15th of April and the 15th of May every year. So all of the all of it will be out of the water by May 15th. So you're going right through uh, the coldest part of the year. That's when it grows. Okay. Uh, that's when it that's when it germinates and grows into the into the mature plants. And then over the course of the summer is when it goes into its reproductive cycle, starts producing sori, which would then repopulate the the populations the next the next fall. Interesting. What are some examples of, of products that will be using your kelp? Uh, if you if you were to ideally, guess. Uh, I want to see Alaska kelp paired with Alaska seafood because I think you know, between for the, human uh, consumption for human consumption between the uh, the n- nutritional uh, com- components of it is additive to the Alaska seafood that's already produced. I think that's the optimal uh, market that I want to try to try to work in. Is the, there a market for there al- already for kelp? There for is human consumption up yes, in Alaska. There is some, and there are a number of smaller companies that are using, uh, producing some some really terrific products. There's a company uh, called Barnacle Foods out of Juneau that's producing this fabulous salsas and pickles and kelp pow and a number of different uh, different uh, kind of seasoning uh, yeah, grades. Yeah, that's neat. So that's I imagine that's a pretty niche market. It is, but yeah. I think it's growing, and I, yeah, cool. uh, you know, I'd like to do some uh, direct to retail products, uh, but also I think, uh, you know, partnering with a, with a, a wild, sustainable Alaska seafood is is consistent with my message and what what I'm trying to do and what they're trying to do. So, I, uh, but that because there isn't really any material production out of Alaska, that's you know those products and that marketplace is still developing. It's wild. Do you know of any other 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 kelp farms that are in development in your area that you know of, or is there, it are you kind of it? No, uh, I think we'll be the uh, the most significant because uh, vert- we're vertically integrated. But there yep. uh, there are a number of farms up out of Kodiak that are uh, that are working. They're on the third year of production. Okay. Um, there's a uh, farm near Ketchikan. 
one that's in its third year of production. So, you know, there there is a burgeoning industry, but it's not... Uh, there's uh, more development to happen. It's neat, though, to think of, as you're talking about, from a consumer perspective, and for some of our listeners who maybe don't know what kelp looks like or uh, tastes like, t- tastes like, and when you mentioned, you know, people are putting it in salsa and, sure. and things of that nature, I think that that really expands. And for some people who might be hesitant to try it, if they start with something they're comfortable with, like a salsa, and say, hey, guess what was just in that, and it kind of expand their... their taste buds well really people have been eating kelp and kelp uh, derivatives for their whole life carrageenan is produced from kelp okay, yep. there are alginates that are produced from kelp and it's in you'll have them in ranch dressing and ice cream and a whole host of other products you had but, me at ranch dressing uh, <laughs> you can't go wrong with ranch dressing. Yeah. but you know but just the species that that we're looking at growing things like if you look at bull kelp that bull kelp is what uh, which is the uh, nereocystis uh, is what they're using for the salsas and and, and it's got a real meaty stipe that makes makes great for making pickles and for grinding for for additives and value added products that they're okay. that they're producing uh sugar kelp would be if you've had a seaweed seaweed salad at mm-hmm. a yep. at a restaurant that would be a good corollary to what that kelp could be used for okay uh, ribbon kelp would be uh, uh you'd see that in a miso soup or something like that okay they're all yep. good uh, as dried products all seaweeds actually are edible, so there's a you know there there are 650 different kinds of seaweed that grow on the west coast of the of North America. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, I'm curious why in America it's not more. It's not. I feel like it's not something that people think of. Why is it? Why do you think it's like Americans are not? I don't know how how to say it. Like I feel like if I was to say, oh, we're gonna with our dinner tonight, we're gonna have this, we're gonna we're gonna have this species of seaweed, and they'd be like, um, really. <laughs> like I, I well kel- kelp is yeah you know, in my opinion kelp is the new kale you know it's a superfood that right. can be used anywhere you can use a green a green vegetable and uh, it may it, come to be that very quickly right. i mean kale when i was younger kale was a, just a garnish right and i ate it when i was a kid because i would eat everything on my plate and everyone would be like my family would be like you don't eat that that's, that's just for decoration i love to eat the garnish <laughs> and that, uh, yeah. yeah so and then now you know you know, just in the last what five ten years, it became this huge. Everyone is eating, making kale smoothies and eating kale all the time. So that it, may be replaced by kelp and like that very. And fast. I think it is. I think because of because of the the ecosystem services that kelp provides and the the known health benefits, and it's becoming much more popular as uh, as a foodstuff. I think they that you know what do the, the U.S. Inter, uh, imported to maybe. 200 250 million dollars worth of kelp uh, over the last year it's becoming much more familiar to the uh, to the consumers yep uh, I think its day is here and 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 I think that's where uh, you know it will it will continue to grow over time there's some great work being done out of Maine in introducing a whole host of, of seaweed based products out of Maine seaweed salads and and fresh greens and you know most of that's being distributed on the uh, eastern seaboard okay uh, you know I'd like to see that on the western uh, western seaboard I think the market uh, I think the the health conscious population thinks they, they that when they hear kelp they think healthy and yeah. uh, and I just think they haven't. It's a good slogan. Uh, they haven't yeah. they haven't had it readily available for them to kind of make it part of their daily daily routine. But yeah. they but they eat kelp and and when they do they'll like it. So I, I know we've talked about this a little bit. If we switch gears, uh, thinking down the road, 
future. Is there any current challenges that you're facing or any that you foresee happening down the road that's worth addressing? Or, or? I think uh, number one in that is uh, is market development, finding the right place to get the kelp in front of the consumers yep. because yeah. there's there's value there. It's a great product. It's it's good for you. It's sustainable. You know, everything about it is positive. And, and getting that message to consumers and so that they they could make that and then have the product available so when they're at the store, they can make that choice. Right now, they can't make the choice because it's not there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's I think that's number one. Okay. And you said your hope is to start introducing some, was that oysters? Or, oysters. No, we'll start oysters. with Pacific oysters. Pacific oysters. Uh, now, you said you're going to start off focusing on the kelp, but you're also going to be growing the oysters. Are you going to seed those oysters from the get-go as well? No, we'll you're start gonna, with... Because uh, you said they, they take longer to right. grow up there. Uh, we'll start with, we'll get a first harvest of kelp in hopefully uh, next spring. We'll get this first harvest out. There's there's a lot to learn. Let's let's try to do one thing relatively well before we try to do two things poorly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's part of it. Uh, but I also think that it's part of, uh, you know, introduce those uh, perhaps in the spring of 2021 is when that seed would be, you know, you make your commitments for seed in the fall and then you start, they'd start producing that seed over the over the new year so hopefully we'll be in a position to start that uh, in the fall of next year for yeah. to outplant into the fluffsies uh, starting in 2021 that's cool sounds like you got it all figured out <laughs> well <laughs> i hope so yeah yeah I, I made a rather abrupt turn in my career to to, to yeah. jump on this train so yeah. we'll uh, i hope it goes well well is there anything else that you would like to get out there to our our listeners anything else that you'd like to mention what do you think the the takeaway is that you would want our listeners to to remember from this eat kelp take a chance go do go do something that matters uh i think that this what i'm doing here i'm hoping that it will be the beginning of a material industry in alaska and for coastal alaska of you know, a non-extraction based sea grown products that, you know, there's a host of life in Alaskan waters that uh, with uh, uh, which is suitable for for this kind of activity. And if we do it and we do it well, and we do it responsibly, I think it can change the trajectory of these coastal communities. Yeah, for sure. If we have listeners that want to contact you or want to learn more do you have a website or somewhere that we can direct some of our there, listeners there is a seagrovekelp.com uh, is our website okay. uh, we also have a twitter instagram and facebook oh excellent uh, we will be uh, and is that also seagrovekelp seagrovekelp as well okay. and we'll uh, and we're going to be updating our progress as we go through this so people yep. can share the the, the joys the and venture hope, with you and, awesome. and hopefully not the misery with me yeah <laughs> But uh, well, yeah. we'll make sure to link to your website and some of your social media in the show notes of this show. And yeah, wonderful. And uh, anything else you guys want to want to say? Good. Do you have anything, anything else you want to add? No, or? I no. just uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to come and talk to you. I, I'm ex- obviously ex- excited about this. And yes, and, yes. Uh, it's great. And, it's really and cool. a little petrified at times. I but, would love uh, to try a kelp pickle you know they had a, that uh, sounds phenomenal it, it is tremendous have you ever had uh, watermelon pickles no I've um, never had pickled fruit I've heard it's a it, thing it's it's really it's really good because it's a nice firm uh, they had uh, uh, products that won a new products competition last year and they were here at the show okay. and and in fact we went and made uh, kelp pickle martinis at one of the local restaurants. It was actually Whoa. really good. D- dirty martinis with yeah. kelp with yeah. kelp pickles. Yeah, it was. I tried that too. Well, did you you yeah. tried that did too. You? Yeah. No, I didn't, but I will but gladly. Will. Yeah, yeah. yeah you'll be on that. We're yeah. gonna get you on the show again. And we'll bring. We'll have some of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll open a jar of pickles. We'll have some martinis. It'll be great. <laughs> but you can. Uh, you know, I, I'm not affiliated with the company at all. But uh, but Barnacle Foods has. 
uh, you know, you can order kelp pickles, and they have a curry and a dill and um, that are yep. made from bull kelp. Uh, and there cool. are a number of salsas and all of that. I mean, you can get those, and they'll ship them right to your Let's house. Let's do it. We'll do it. <laughs> it's going to happen. You should do it. You should try it. Well, we'll maybe we'll live stream it when we try it and do a live food review on it. That, so. that would be – I'm sure yeah, they would appreciate yeah, that yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. But they're yeah. great – there's some young folks out of Juno, and they're doing great work, and they're really – it's it's fun to fun to watch them, yeah. and I you know and I think they're part of this whole uh, this whole process. You know, we've got to produce raw material that they that people that are uh, can make into cool new things. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think that's I think that there's a trend too, not only in the seafood business how it, how it's evolved over the last like twenty years, but I feel. Uh, People in in general are are more experimental, and if you hear something that's sustainable or healthy, you're kind of drawn to that a little bit more than Starting we were in to the past. Get more, yeah, more brave and more interested in trying new things. And, and I think you said the way that you were talking about your product when it's ready, I think is going to draw some some big interest. Yeah. And just from hearing uh, what you had to say, I'm like really excited to now try it myself yeah i really want to try it too (laughs) it's exciting it's this is the problem with like doing this stuff at a seafood show because we just talk about food the whole time (laughs) and i'm always like i want to try that i want to try that i want to try that (laughs) 10 years from now i'm going to be like a thousand pounds no but if you eat kelp you won't be a thousand pounds because you'll be a lean mean fighting machine that's right super it's a super super food food. yeah it is and yeah and it and and it is so versatile there's so many things that you can make with kelp and you can have kelp yep. straight and you can have dried kelp and powdered kelp and fresh kelp, blanched kelp. I mean, there's there's a hundred uses that every one of us could integrate into our diet every day. It's a superfood with virtually no footprint. That's exactly right. And that's Positive carbon yeah. footprint. So how, yeah. How do you go wrong with that? You, yeah. you don't. Awesome. Interesting factoid. Bull kelp is one of the fastest growing plants in the world. In certain conditions, it can grow up to a foot a day. Wow. Wow, that's remarkable. <laughs> that is remarkable. That's awesome. Well, I'm really excited to see where this goes and to, to watch it blow up and to be one of the first podcasts to talk about and promote kelp for well, human consumption. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you very Again, much. Marco Shear with uh, Seagrove Kelp Company up in Alaska. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, yeah, thank thanks, you very much. Thanks a really lot. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Yeah, please do. And I, I, I look forward to it. Thank you for the opportunity to tell my story. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Yeah, Great. Appreciate it. That was our conversation with Marcos Shear from Cena 2019. I hope you enjoyed it, and I just want to say I'm excited to see if this is accepted by consumers in the near future, and if it is, how it will influence our diets and health. Check out the show notes for links to Seagrove's website and social media accounts. Remember, if you want to participate in this show, please leave us a rating and review or email us questions and comments at podcast at aquaculturealliance.org or call and leave us a message at 1-603-384-3560. Lastly, make sure you go to www.aquaculturealliance.org slash membership to become a member. Thanks so much, everyone.